All right, let, let's come to God's word this morning, and we are continuing in our study and through the book of Acts, and we are in Acts chapter 2. And uh, Acts chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 1 to verse 13, and we'll read through that. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you that we can gather around your word. Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word, your Holy Spirit, who is the author of scripture, would open up your word to us, Lord. May your anointing be upon me as I proclaim your word. May your Holy Spirit open our eyes to receive and to understand what you have given us, Lord. And help us to apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Acts chapter 2. What happens in Acts chapter 1 is Jesus had been crucified on the cross. He has risen from the dead and the resurrected Christ appeared to his disciples. And he didn't just appear to them once. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And we see that in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So here's Jesus, resurrected from the dead. He appeared to them not once, not twice, but a period of 40 days. You know, and elsewhere it says he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Wow. And, and, he, and he spoke to them about the coming of the kingdom. And one of the key things that this Jesus said to them is found in verse 5. Or rather in verse 4, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Okay? For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you something. You know, uh, how, how many know that Jesus is the Lamb of God? Can I see a click or something? You know, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Somebody... Put some sign up there, yeah. Okay, and and that is found in John chapter one, verse twenty-nine. Okay, it's it says very clearly um, where where John the Baptist sees Jesus. The next day, John chapter one twenty-nine, 
John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Great. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Everybody agree. Now, I'll tell you something. Do you know how many times in the Gospels it is written that Jesus is the Lamb of God? Any guesses? All right. In the Gospels, how many times is it written that Jesus is the Lamb of God? Let me tell you. The answer is one. Just one time in the Gospels, in Revelation, there are several times, but in the Gospels, only once Jesus is the Son of God, you know, and, and is the Lamb of God. And, and we remember this, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, and that's wonderful. But I want to tell you something else. This verse, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This verse that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Do you know how many times we find it in the New Testament? Okay, we find it in all of the four Gospels, that's four times, and we find it at least two times in Acts. Six times, Jesus is spoken about as the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus being the Lamb of God is very important because he's the Lamb of God, our sins are forgiven, we are washed by the blood of Jesus, and that's crucial for our salvation. Once. But six times, that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Surely, being baptized with the Holy Spirit is important. Okay, so let, let's go on uh, uh, the, the introduction here. So, so Jesus spoke to his disciples, giving them instructions, saying, hey, listen, don't go out yet and proclaim my death and resurrection, but wait for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, he repeats it in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so he says, you're going to receive power from on high and then you will be equipped to go out and share the gospel. And then we, we saw the last time uh, I preached from Acts that Jesus ascended into heaven and that, that, that's what happened. And then the disciples did this. They all gathered together in the, in the upper room. There were about 120 of them. I mean, they gathered together. They all joined in verse 14 of chapter 1. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, and the rest of them. Okay. The Acts chapter 2. Now, we, we don't know. The disciples didn't know how long they were to wait. All they were told was... You wait in Jerusalem till I pour out my Holy Spirit on you, upon you. Yeah? Now, what's amazing is, it, look at Acts chapter 2. This is where we begin our message. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Okay? And then verse 2 says, suddenly a sound like the sound of, like the, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. My, my, my first point this morning is this. When the Holy Spirit is poured out like this, as it was on the day of Pentecost, it is suddenly. We don't know when God can pour out His Holy Spirit in great measure upon people. In John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. 
Okay? So my first point is, the whole, it's God's timing. We, we cannot control the work of the Holy Spirit. All we can do is what the early Christians did there. They gathered together. There was unity and there was prayer and obedience. They waited. They, they waited. They said, Lord, we're going to wait for you to pour out your Holy Spirit. They didn't know how long it was. You know what's amazing? Jesus appeared to 500 people, okay, at his ascension. Um, 1 Corinthians records that, where, where Paul writes and says, at one time he appeared to 500 people. But, you know, on the day of Pentecost, there were only 120 people who were gathered in that room. What happened to the other 380? So the first thing is, hey, let's be a people who will wait on God. We'll wait on God. We don't know when the Holy Spirit can move suddenly. I want to give you an example in revival history. Okay, the whole world, we're, we're, the churches are crying out and praying for revival to come. And revival, you know, one of the things that has happened through the history of the church is that the kingdom of God has advanced when there have been great outpourings of the Holy Spirit upon people. Okay, there have been certain times, the Azusa Street Revival, the Hebrides Revival, and many other revivals. Okay, but there have been certain times in history when the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon a large number of people, and people have turned to the Lord. Okay, I, I want to, you know, I'm reading from, uh, about the Hebrides Revival. It talks, it talks about, these were the results of the, of the revival, just to tell you. This is on one evening, a group of between two and three hundred People journeyed to the police station in town. Okay, can you imagine this happening? Your local police station, 300 people gathering there. Why are they gathering there? They had to find relief from the internal strain that they were experiencing, and they knew there was a policeman there who was a strong, committed Christian. Okay, so somehow 300 people just out of the blue were just feeling so overwhelmed. Okay, now what, what, what happened here? You see, arriving at the police station, Duncan Campbell could hear people crying to God for mercy. One man in the crowd, seeing his wretched condition, repeatedly exclaimed, Hell is too good for me. Another man was seen on his knees with his mother crying out beside him. Willie, are you coming at last? Are you coming at last? You know, so Campbell stood in awe at these scenes of such deep conviction. So when revival comes, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, it's not the work of a man. It's the work of God. And imagine 300, and this is just one example of what happened. It went on over and over and over again for a period of several years. Okay? But the question is, how did it start? How did this revival take place here? Okay, here's what happened. In November 1949, Okay, the revival began, but you know how it started? There were two old women, one of them 84 years of age and the other 82. Anybody here 84 and 82? I don't think so. One of them stone blind were greatly burdened because of the appalling state of their own parish. Not a single young person attended public worship. Not a single young man or woman went to the church. They spend their days doing other things. And these two women were greatly concerned and they made it a special matter of prayer. And this is what they did. 
they were so burdened that both of them decided to spend so much time in prayer twice a week. On Tuesdays and Fridays, they got on their knees at 10 o'clock in the night and remained on their knees till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Okay. So that's how revival took place. Two old ladies, 82 and 84, one of them blind. I tell you, you know, as Christians, till our dying days, we can be used by God. Even if we can't go out, we can just sit where we are and we can pray like these old ladies did. And revival came to the Hebrews. Okay. But it's God's timing. They prayed for a long time before it happened. Okay. I want to encourage us this morning. We have time on our hands during this lockdown. Okay. Maybe you don't have a job. What can you do? You can get on your knees and you can pray for God to pour out his spirit and send revival. Save men and women. So on the day of Pentecost, we see that suddenly it was God's timing. We can't control the Holy Spirit. We don't want to. We shouldn't even try. But we can pray. We can gather together. We can cry out to God. And we can pray faith in faith and expectation, asking God to pour out His Spirit. Okay. But the next thing is not just God's timing, but it's God's filling. What happens when the Holy Spirit is poured out? Now, J Jesus himself, remember, told us, he says, you will, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay, so one of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do when he comes upon us is that we will become bold as lions. We will receive power to be witnesses. Okay. Luke 24, 49 says the same thing. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Okay, so, so this is it. Now, maybe you've been, uh, so for those of you who've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to challenge you this morning. Wait on God and say, Lord, Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want that same power. I want the power of the Holy Spirit upon my life. Okay? You see, these, the, 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 the apostles, the disciples, were all believers. They had the Holy Spirit in them. But this is the Holy Spirit upon them. If you go through the book of Acts, you'll see there are several instances of people being born again. Okay? They are born again. And they are prayed for, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want to I want to tell you the exact the, the story of D. L. Moody. D. L. Moody was a great preacher, and, uh, and and he preached, and he with some results. But again, in 1871, there were two women. Okay? It's the women, and they were all women. Okay, these are the ones who who, who had a burden for Moody, and he would. Pray, and they would pray in the front row of the church. And he got irritated with them. What are these women praying for me? You know, what are they doing? But soon he gave in. And he began to pray with them every Friday afternoon. Okay. And he, and he felt that he had a ministry, but it was, there was no power in it. And so every Friday afternoon, these two women, D.L. Moody would pray for D.L. Moody's ministry. Again, you know, we can't control what the Holy Spirit does. But sometime later, when he was in another city, in, in, in New York, this, this is what D.L. Moody writes. He says, 
One day in the city of New York, oh, what a day, I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had asked him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you would give me all the world. It would be small dust in the balance. Okay? So here we see, D.L. Moody prayed, he obeyed, he waited. Just waited. And suddenly, one day, just like at Pentecost, okay, the Holy Spirit came upon him in, his, in power and magnified the you know, his efforts, and he saw hundreds saved. Friends, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? To have that same supernatural anointing from God that we would see supernatural results. That as we speak to people, people will, there will be a hunger in their hearts to know about Jesus. Now, as we pray for people, there would be anointing that our prayers would be answered. Okay, let's move on. So, so here we see on the day of Pentecost, suddenly, verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here we see the 120 were powerfully immersed in the Holy Spirit. And the result of being immersed, the, 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 I mean, filled with the Spirit is two things. One is that there is something you see and there's something you hear. We see that happening here. Okay? And in this case, they began to speak in tongues. Okay? They began to prophesy. They began to declare the praises of God. Okay? Um, so, in this instance, where the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. You know, uh, what is Pentecost? Pentecost was the harvest festival. 50 days earlier was the harvest time. And 50 days after the harvest, okay, they gathered in Jerusalem. All the Jews gathered three times a year to celebrate. And they gathered to celebrate Pentecost, the harvest festival. And Jews from all over the world, as we see in the other verses, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea came all over the Jewish diaspora, came back to Jerusalem, okay, to celebrate this the Passover and the Pentecost. All right, that's what they did. And, and at this time, they heard these simple folk as they were speaking in different languages, you know, in, in their languages. And they said, hey, what's happening? was we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And they asked one another, what does this mean? So the third thing I want to speak about this morning is that when God's power comes upon us, not only are we filled with the Holy Spirit, but the result of the filling is that there is an outpouring of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. How many of you like gifts? Do we like gifts? Anybody likes gifts? Put your hand up. Yes. You know, when somebody says, I've got a gift for you. Wow. 
I'm happy. I'm, I'm looking forward with anticipation. What is this gift? You know, and uh, what is it? Uh, and, and that's how it is. And, and so God has gifts that he wants to give us. Okay. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 4. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay. Now, so, so really, what, what, what is this, this? The risen Christ pours out His Holy Spirit, and along the Holy Spirit gives us different gifts. All right? There's a gift for each one of us. Now, the gift is not for our glory. The gift is for the common good, as it says there. Okay? To be a blessing. To take the gospel out. And so, I pray that each one of us would eagerly desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 8-10 talks about the different gifts. He says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8, lists another set of gifts. For, the, by, the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay, so the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Gifts were given. We, we see we see this straight on that day where they began speaking in other tongues. We see it a couple of, uh, in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 3. One, chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon, and a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Man crippled from birth. What did Peter and John do? Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went into the courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Wow! When all the people saw that him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And then Peter proclaims the gospel. Hallelujah. He proclaims the gospel. Wonderful. So, so I want to say to us this morning, God 
has gifts, not just one, gifts for each one of us. Okay? Let's be a people who are saying, Lord, I want those gifts. Do you know what those gifts are? Maybe they're lying there. You know, and, and you have not received them yet. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Okay? So, you know, some, you know, imagine if you see a whole bunch, bunch of gifts placed out there. You know, normally, it would not be right to covet or desire those things. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, Paul is saying, God is saying, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Okay? He's eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So, the Holy Spirit poured out of Pentecost. Okay? It was God's timing. Okay? It resulted in God's filling those people. It was the distribution of God's gifts. Now, what is the purpose of all this? The purpose of all this is God's mission. If you remember, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the first part. Power, filling, gifts. But why do we need all that? The second part is, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, God wants us to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And he equips us with the, Holy, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit where we can go out. So these gifts are not to glorify ourselves in any way, but it is that we can faithfully serve at once the kingdom Build the church, serve one another, use these gifts. You know, there, there are so many gifts that are out there in the church. And I want to urge you this morning, can you examine yourself? Am I using the gifts God has given me? Am I aware of the gifts that God has given me? Am I developing the gifts that God has given me? Am I deploying the gifts that God has given me? Okay. I tell you, wow, there is so much out there. We need to work together to get that gospel, to get the gospel out. But we need to use our gifts. Okay, let's not let those gifts just collect dust. Let's use them. Amen. And finally, we, we see that it's, it's the, the reason for the Holy Spirit being poured out. The final end result is God's glory. God is passionate about his glory. He wants his name to be proclaimed across the earth. He says, you know, he wants his glory to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that will happen. When we go out proclaiming the love of God and the work of God in Jesus, that's one way. But it also go out when multitudes come into the kingdom. That brings great Glory to God. Yeah. And uh, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse, verse um, 10, it says, the second part, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Wow, this is it. You see the world declaring the wonders of God in their own tongue. The glory of God. 
Hallelujah. So I want to ask you this morning, have you been immersed? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're a new believer. You may not have been baptized with water. But I tell you, if you go through the Bible, go through the New Testament, you'll see the, 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 the roadmap that people follow. Repented of their sin, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, added to the church, deployed for the kingdom to reach the world. Okay? And uh, that's the roadmap we've got to follow. But the question this morning is, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? If you've not, I want to urge you, just you cry out to God. Five, six times it says Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Ask for the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises if, you know, that we were evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Will you ask God? I tell you, your life will be transformed. Ask Him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've already been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Great. But we want more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. More of the Holy Spirit. You know, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians says, it's not a one-time occurrence. It's a continuous, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit happens as we just wait on God, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in the Word, uh, as we just say, Lord, I want more of you, my life. Let's pray for a great outpouring. What happened on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago changed the world. Let's, from that first Pentecost to today, there have been many incidents of revival where the Spirit came down with such power that people were converted and were, con and were convicted as I shared about Hebrides, without any man doing anything. You know, there was deep conviction. It can be prayed, the Lord, would you pour out your spirit in greater measure upon the earth that people would turn to you. Amen. Where we come to the end of the message this morning, and I just want to pray. You know, wherever we are, just Lift your hands up to Jesus. I'm going to pray that Jesus, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, would fill us this morning. Wherever we are, we want a new inspiration. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. Lord Jesus, you are, the ascend you are ascended at the right hand of God. And you said that you will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, Lord we bow before you this morning and I pray pray for each one this morning, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord. We want to be clothed with power from on high. Lord. We want a new measure of your love, of your power, of your presence in our lives. Would you do that this morning? Would you do that? Would you do that? Lord, we want to be a people who wait on you. Oh, Lord, we pray. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.